Welcome to Monsters, Madness, and Magic. We would like to offer thanks to all you heretics and maniacs for your continued support and encourage you to visit our website at monstersmadnessandmagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the Sanctuary of the Strange. We can also be found slithering our way into your nearest social media platforms. Be sure to follow Monsters, Madness, and Magic on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show and would like to unlock Patreon-exclusive content, consider subscribing at patreon.com forward slash Monsters Madness Magic. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper, here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Stupid intro, go! <laughs> Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, and this evening I am joined by a very special guest the armorer the personification of darkness and talented actress emily swallow <laughs> emily how the hell are you i'm doing all right how about you doing good doing good so where uh, are you this fine evening i'm at my home in south carolina all right Sunny i'm not too far i'm down in uh, at my parents home in jacksonville florida oh not too far at all yeah are you a sports fan at all yeah I was going to say, uh, are you celebrating the uh, Super Bowl victory with everybody down there? Oh, well, we have the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and they don't yeah, really give yeah. it much to celebrate. So, yeah, I'll take the Buccaneers. Why not? <laughs> it, it works. Yeah. So take us back in time, Emily. So were you always interested in the arts? What's your creative origin story? My creative origin story? Um People who know me would say that they're not at all surprised I wound up as an actor. I didn't know I was going to be an actor. I knew I liked my way into performing was singing. Hmm. And I um, I sang in like the children's choir church and and uh, and then I started doing musicals and in middle school and oh well my cousins will tell you we used to so my two cousins kim and amy they were both older than me and i idolized them because they were older right. and you know smart and pretty and they were both dancers and i never took dance or anything like that um and we would make home movies we would make like commercials for things like we never really planned ahead. So we just had to grab what we could find. So we would do this whole like elaborate commercial for like a plastic tumbler cup. <laughs> but I mean, we were committed. So right. I guess 
I guess I started making making commercials pretty early on. Wow, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> and I I I did a lot of performing in school. I mean, I was always in in the shows at school, but I think I was just interested in too many things to know that that was going to be my path. And I sort of had to get a bunch of other things out of the way. And when I was in college, I my dream was to um, go into the foreign service. So I was a Middle Eastern studies, foreign affairs major. Wow. And I totally thought that's what I was going to do. I interned at the State Department, but um, I had an acting teacher because I was I was kind of splitting my time between like all of the like foreign policy and taking Arabic and all that. I had that and then I had the drama department and um, then like all the acting classes and all the extracurricular stuff. And I had an acting teacher who saw how much I loved it. And he said, if you thought about pursuing this, I think maybe you should. And I think having, and of course I had encouragement, you know, from right. like my parents were always like, whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy. But having that person say, maybe you should give this a go. It was like a tidal wave then descended on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. So, um, so then I, I wound up going to grad school to get my MFA and I have not ever looked back. I have questioned it sometimes because I feel like you have to have a certain amount of insanity to want to be in this career, <laughs> but, um, but I've never regretted it. <laughs> sometimes all it takes is that one little kick in the rear end, you know, or somebody to yeah. have some faith in you. And so outside mm -hmm. of your, uh, your cousins who you mentioned were dancers, were there any other performers in your family? What did your parents act? My parents both love music and they are um, amateur performers. My mom's a wonderful singer and my dad dabbles in the trumpet and the saxophone <laughs> and the piano and the guitar. Oh, okay. So there's, there's always been a love of music and, and performing. And, and they would take me to see like the tours of shows that would come through Jacksonville when I was a kid. So so they definitely cultivated a, a love of it for awesome. me. So you grew up in Jacksonville. What would you say led to your interest in the Middle Eastern studies? Golly, that's a good question. It was really as simple as my boyfriend in high school. So I already knew I was interested in, I'd always been interested in like international relations and my boyfriend in high school had gone on a trip to um, Israel for the summer. And so just because he was over there, I kept up with the news more. And I just, I don't know, there was something about, I realized how much I didn't know. Um, and I realized how much I thought I knew. And there, for some reason, I was looking at um, news reporting from multiple different countries. And I just became fascinated by how the stories were told differently depending on who was doing the reporting. And, um, and that sort of drew me into it a little bit. And then I think it's also just because it, it's the kind of the center of, of where religion came from. I mean, the three right. major religions of the, of the world or the three um, Abrahamic religions all originated there. And now they sort of try to coexist in this very small space and, um, there's just so much within that, that, that it, it just drew me in. Um, and so I felt like rather than just do kind of a general international relations, foreign affairs major, UVA, University of Virginia, where I went to school, they offered a, a interdisciplinary major of Middle Eastern studies. And, wow. and, uh, I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you're on stage as well. Did you have any favorite roles to tackle while you were on stage? Oh, yes. 
Um, I got to play Cinderella and Into the Woods when I was in undergrad. And that was a big triumph because we had done that show when I was in high school and I didn't get cast. I auditioned and I didn't get a part. And I, I just, I worked backstage and not to knock that at all, but I wanted to be on stage. So it was sort of like a, a triumph then when right. I got cast as one of the leads in college. But I love reminding my high school drama teacher of that. And I, I tell her, I'm like, tell your students that that happened because they need to see, you know, you can totally not get cast in many, many things and then still have a career in it. And then you're um, so that was one of my favorites. I did Sweeney Todd when I was an undergrad. That was a definite favorite. Um, we did a production of Romeo and Juliet. I got to do a lot of fun things and I got to do a lot of things that showed me that I couldn't just rely on my instincts and roles that kind of terrified me. And I didn't really, I didn't have a very well-developed toolbox to draw from. And so that's why I knew if I was going to do it, I wanted to have like a focused acting program to go right. through before kind of launching into it in the real world. In, indeed. So we've had past guests say that they feel that stage acting should be almost a necessity uh, when and it comes to cutting your teeth as a young actor or actress. Do you feel kind of the same way that you go to that toolbox a lot? You know, for me, yeah, because it, it's when I'm working on theater that I feel like I learn the most as an actor. But I think if you've never had it, you just develop those tools in different ways. You know, I, I definitely don't think that across the board, like people who have done theater are better actors, not at all. Right, right. Because you are drawing from different things when you're doing TV and film. And sometimes, sometimes I think if you're relying too much on the process that you have in theater, it can be a hindrance when you're doing TV and film, it can slow you down. Um, but for me, it's where I feel like I really get to just like play on the playground and go crazy. And I right. learn a lot when I'm doing theater. And I, I mean, I just love getting to get immediate feedback from the audience to know, yeah. you know, whether it's working or not. And that's one of the things I miss most when I'm on a set, because there's you're surrounded by people, but they're not allowed to react. <laughs> they're just doing their jobs, you know, they're not. Yeah. They're concerned with getting the shot right or making sure the exactly. sound. Exactly. Okay, making know? sure there's no shadow from the yeah. boom light. Or, <laughs> yeah. So does your approach differ as an actress in preparation for a screen role versus a stage role? Yeah, it does. I mean, the the guts of what I do are the same. You know, I, I still do the same character preparation and um, have a lot of different ways in. But I feel like when I'm doing uh, TV, especially, I have to rehearse the whole thing on my own and then just be ready to go when I get there. Whereas with theater, you know, you're getting to rehearse at rehearsal and you're finding it with the other actors. So I have, um, you know, friends that I work with. I have coaches that I work with, depending on the part. And I, I really do have to, like, be on my feet in a room, sort of imagining, you know, and half the time I have no idea what the set's going to look like, but I sort of imagine what I think it might look like. So I have some options about where to go because it's the worst when you when you sit there and you you might know all the words and you might know all the feelings. But for me, if I haven't walked through it, all of a sudden I don't know what to do with my body if I haven't already like tried to go through the whole thing that way <laughs> and that's not a good feeling. So yeah, Visual, I have visualization. To my own. <laughs> What'd you say? The visualization. It helps, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give someone who was looking to get their start in theater? In theater specifically? Yes. 
Oh, golly. Um, I just said golly for the second time and I <laughs> we can don't edit it out. We have like a, we have a three golly maximum, just so you know. <laughs> Does it ever happen to you where you find yourself saying like phrases or words that like just come yeah. out of nowhere? So that's yeah. what's happening for me with golly tonight. Um, golly gee. Um, I mean, to start in theater, um, I feel like starting in theater is so much, I think it's so much easier than starting in film and TV, although not, not at the present moment since nobody's doing live theater right. really. Right. Um, but I think what is, what was helpful for me was reading as many scripts as I could and getting to know all the different styles of playwrights through the years and figuring out, you know, what, what appealed to me and then working on that stuff in class or just with friends. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've like just sat around with a group of friends and read through a play mm. and kind of geeked out that way. Um, I think, yeah, I think that it's so important to have a thorough knowledge of, of what it is in this, you know, vast array of what you could do, what it is that appeals to you. And then to just get on your feet and do it. Um, and I think for either, either style of acting, whether you're doing theater or you're doing film and TV, I feel like watching yourself is really informative. It can be sort of excruciating sometimes, but I think, you know, do it for the camera. You learn a lot about, um, I worked with a guy once on a, a guy who was a magician in real life and he was playing a magician in a play that I was doing. And he was talking about the similarities between being a magician and being an actor. And there were a few things that he said that were spot on because he said, you know, one of the, one of the ways a magician succeeds is by making sure that the audience is looking where he, he or she wants them to look right. so that he can then, you know, get away with whatever the trick is. Sleight of hand. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you don't have a tell. I mean, same thing in poker. You're trying to direct the audience's focus so that they see the story that you want them to see. And the same is true in acting. You know, there's lots of like physical habits that we might have as actors that could be telling a completely different story than we want them to tell, um, which was something that I found really important when I was working on The Armorer, because I realized like any extraneous movement that I had was hugely distracting because you know i'm in this magnificent right. suit of armor with fur and all the <laughs> accessories um so it's important to know i think what whether when you watch yourself are you telling the story you want to be telling and that is a, a tool that anybody can can use whether you're getting to work professionally yet or not so i think that that's that's a good good tool to have well said so how did you land your first professional acting gig on on a screen on screen. Oh, my first professional gig on screen was on the soap opera Guiding Light. Oh, nice, nice. It's <laughs> a good starting it, point. It was a riot. What did you say? That's a good starting point. Yes. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. I mean, it, it, it was great. I learned a lot and it gave me a tremendous amount of respect for soap actors because they're just learning like volumes of dialogue, like just like this. And they got to do it and they got to get done with it and they got to go on to the next thing. But I was playing, oh, I, I did, I think three episodes. And my first episode was a flashback where I was, and I was this character that the audience, that the fans of the show had been waiting to meet for like 10 years Wow! because they knew that this couple on the show, this like really important couple um, had gotten divorced years ago because he had an affair and they'd never met the woman that he had an affair with. And it was me. <laughs> 
and we were cop partners and we were, oh my gosh, it was so cliched because we were (laughs) undercover at a stakeout and me being the lady cop, my undercover, uh, disguise was a prostitute of course because you know what else am i gonna yeah, be right that's the only thing you could be and i was like coming on to him and i had to like lean over and like stroke his hair and we're in this truck that has bucket seats so we're like really far apart <laughs> i'm trying to lean over and be all sexy and then my car door opens and his wife who in real life um is like up to here on me i'm five seven she's probably like five two she yanks me out of the truck and and she said something like, I came because I knew it. I knew. And then I was supposed to be terrified of her, even though like I feel like I could take her in a fight. <laughs> so I like scurried off. Um, and so that that was my big debut. And then I came back for a few episodes in the present because I was trying to resurrect something with mallet who was my my former lover and um i was worried that this guy that we had put in jail and who'd since gotten out i was worried that he was stalking me and so i had to go ask mallet if he would watch out for me and um and he said something like yeah you know i I mean so you're asking me to to be a bodyguard or something and i had to say the line you can guard my body anytime mallet And that remains to this day, one of the triumphs of my acting career that I was able to get through that line without laughing. Wow. Kudos to that writer as well. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So my first personal experience with your work was your role as Amara on Supernatural. All right. You you came in kind of, you know, the show had been rolling for quite a while. Did you know what you were getting into? Were you aware of Supernatural before you kind of got on board? I was vaguely aware because I had friends who had been on it and I'd seen like a smattering of episodes from different seasons. But there, no, I was not at all prepared for the phenomenon that is Supernatural. Right. Um, What is, in your opinion, like what is it about that show that's allowed it all the longevity that it had? And because most shows just fizzle out after a few seasons. Yeah, it's remarkable. I mean, I think at the core of it, I think that they it's because of the leadership on that show. And by leadership, I mean, Jared and Jensen. I mean, the producers. I mean, all the people who are in the highest up positions in the various departments are all lovely, gracious, humble, playful (laughs) people who have a great sense of humor, who don't take themselves too seriously and who have a tremendous sense of gratitude for what they have. And I think the show itself and the writing, what's always impressed me about it is that it, it, it has such a good sense of what it is. And it's not afraid to go from being completely committed and a little bit, you know, sappy, mm-hmm. um, and, but completely earnest. It'll swing from that all the way around and then be like this like caper, clown show like scooby-doo um it's not afraid to laugh at itself and i think that that's so important i think that's one of the reasons it's been able to do all the things that it it's it's done i mean how many incredible characters have been introduced over the years and then i think um you know from what i what i learned it was really because of the fans too. Like the show could have gone down after, I don't remember, it was like five or six seasons or so. Right. And um, the fans 
who loved it did not go unnoticed. And, uh, and the show, I think, really loves the fans. Everyone that's on the show, everyone that produces the show really appreciates the fans and listens to the fans. And, and I think that having that involvement is, is key. And it, it's so special as an actor because, you know, when, when I'm doing TV, I miss the audience and getting to connect with the audience through this passionate right. fan base is really cool. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that earlier. That's what you preferred about stage acting, but social media kind of gives you a little bit of that with uh, the screen stuff. You know, it allows the fans to. Yeah, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah, you get yeah, the people yeah. who are like, yay, and you get the people who would be throwing tomatoes at you if they yeah. were there in person. I had your fictional brother on, and I asked him uh, the same question about uh, the show's longevity, Rob uh -huh. Benedict. And he said, uh, that uh in 2005 uh that's when twitter was actually launched and that's when supernatural launched so they kind of have a trending relationship to where they both kind of came on the scene at the same time and that fan base was kind of formed and grew with the the platform itself which is pretty cool yeah it's really remarkable so from the outside looking in it just seems that you all seem to like each other so in your acting experience uh is that common is that the most tight-knit uh group you've worked with in supernatural I think it is. Um, it's, you know, I won't say that I've, I've been really lucky, so I won't say it's uncommon to like each other, but <laughs> to go into a show that has been running as long, you know, I went in in season 11 and to feel as welcomed as I felt and to feel like I had as big a say as anyone else who had already been at the table for 11 seasons, that, that was remarkable. Cause that, you know, that it's, you go into a long running show and even if they're welcoming, they kind of have a way that they do things and you mm -hmm. sometimes feel like you're playing catch up. And I never felt that. Um, I felt like they were so interested in what I had to bring and what my ideas were. And, um, and that was just delicious. It was so much fun to get to shape that character over the course of the season, especially because I, you know, I didn't know at the beginning what this arc was going to be. I knew I was supposed to recur all season, but I didn't know at first that God was my brother. And then I didn't know who God was. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen with Dean. You know, I didn't know if we were going to wind up getting all lovey-dovey again, or that was never going to happen. And now I have to remind, because, oh my gosh, the question I get asked more than any other question at conventions is of course, like, what was it like to kiss Jensen? And I have to remind people it happened once. It was one time <laughs> and that's it. And thank goodness, because um, I remember when I got that script, I was shooting, I was shooting something out. I was shooting some scenes with Misha and he came up to me and he said, I'm so sorry. He said, when I saw that you have to kiss him, I just said, oh, that poor girl, the fans are going to hate her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. But so I'm kind of glad that that didn't go any further. If it makes you feel better, that question wasn't on my list. Okay. Good. <laughs> Were you there for the last day of filming? On the very um, last day? Of the whole Yeah, show? like the, the whole wrap up, the shebang. No, they wanted to. Uh, it was so sad because of COVID. They couldn't do. They wanted to bring back like dozens and dozens of characters for cameos in that last episode. And they couldn't because of COVID. So, <sighs> no. Thanks, COVID. I know. <laughs> so, I have you have you watched the finale yourself? Like the yes. episode? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> so you I liked it though. I liked. Yeah, you know, it was well I feel done. like it's impossible to end a show like that, but I 
I love that it kind of zoomed in just to to Dean and Sam again, and and it, that it was so simple. I think that that was really lovely. Yeah, that was great. You've kind of struck gold with your last two series. You know, you go from one of the longest running television shows of all time to the freaking Mandalorian. So how's your uh, experience differed on set between those two shows? I mean, one's freaking well, So it's, I imagine it's more scales larger. The scale is larger. It's so, I mean, the weirdest thing to me about Star Wars is how secretive everything is and how little <laughs> I know about anything. It's really not hard to keep secrets when people ask me questions I'm not supposed to answer because more often than not, I truly don't know the answer. <laughs> right. so um, I'm key. not going to be able to give anything away because, um, but it, it was, it was sort of, I, I shot everything that I did in the first season before the show was even announced. Whoa. So I truly didn't really know what I was getting into. I knew that there were incredible people involved. And I knew that it looked like we were spending a lot of money, <laughs> but you know, there'd never been a live action Star Wars TV show. I didn't know if it was going to sink or swim. I felt like what I was doing was good. And I, I liked the, the scripts that I got to read. I didn't know, you know, what was happening in other episodes. So I had a feeling it was good, but, but again, like I, I had no idea the huge phenomenon it would be. And um, it is also such a warm, playful set. And it sort of felt like, I mean, the whole time, I, I felt like we all sort of had this giddy <laughs> excitement that we were like kids just playing Star Wars because all of us had grown up with it. I mean, right. I remember seeing like seeing seeing the, the original three movies are one of my earliest memories. And I I was born, I wasn't around when the first one came out. I was born at some point during the second and third and when i was a kid i would play like ewok adventures in my backyard <laughs> i always wanted to be princess leia so there was always kind of like you know I'd, i would catch myself on set like in a quiet moment looking around and i'd be like is this for real am i really like Gotta i'm just nuts. playing star wars right now what is this so the extent of your knowledge was i'm just working on a star wars project nothing else yeah i mean i didn't really even know what a big deal the armorer was because I wasn't in that many scenes. Um, and then, so, so getting to watch it was a real treat to see like how the whole story fit together and to see how integral she was to his journey and, and sending him out on, on his quest that then took up all of, all of season two. Right. And depending on what Star Wars fans you talk to, you know, the series has had its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But I think we can, every Star Wars fan agrees that everything that Jon Favreau touches is gold. Mm. Why, why do you think that is? What is it like working with him? Um, I think part of it is because he loves it so much. He loves it. He knows it inside and out. And I think he wanted to kind of return to the original um to the feel of, of those original three movies. And I think that that was a really smart idea. So stylistically, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And then I think just as a person, he he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. But when you're in a room with him, all you're aware of is how interested he is in you and in all the people around you. He is so curious about people and about their ideas and about, um, you know, he, he hired this, this, um, 
this wide variety of directors who had all these very specific styles and he encouraged them to go with their styles um, all the while making sure that everyone was on the same page in terms of like, this is the overall story we're telling. But I think he, he has so much trust in the people that he hires. And I think that that goes a long way that really encourages us to try to do our best. And it doesn't feel like, you know, it, I, I'm glad that when I shot, I didn't know what it was going to be because I think <laughs> I would have been a lot more stressed out. I would have been right. so worried about like getting it wrong. Right. Um, but that's just me. Like there was never, never anyone. And I'm sure it was very stressful for, for, you know, the producers and everything. They knew how much money they were spending on this and they knew how much was at stake, but it never had that feeling. There was never stress about getting stuff done, about getting shots in. It was always so playful and so collaborative and just, there was so much open heartedness. Um, it was really a joy to work on it. So when the acclaim starts coming and the show does finally uh, roll out, what are you thinking yourself? Because uh, it's kind of just blowing up from the get go, you know, it's bonkers. I just <laughs> pinch myself. It's, I mean, the thing, the, the thing that, that has been the coolest is that so I, I don't have any kids of my own, but I have two nephews who are seven and nine. And this is the first thing I've ever done that they care about. And they think that their aunt is cool now. So I'm like, okay, I've arrived. Coolest aunt ever now. Yep. But no, it is, it's, um, I, I truly do pinch myself because the joy that Star Wars fans have mm -hmm. is just so delicious. And I love getting <laughs> to meet them at conventions and interacting with people online and and I, I get schooled all the time because I'm a fan, but I'm not like a fan. Oh, There's yeah, so much I don't know about the Star Wars universe. So I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly hearing theories about my character <laughs> and people, you know, they're, they're like, so I think that this is true. Do you think this is true? And I'm like, nobody's <laughs> told me anything. I don't know. <laughs> so would you say that you can kind of tell on set how you say you have so much fun and there's almost like a, a good energy on set as an actor or actress. Yeah. Uh, when you look back at it retroactively, is it obvious to see that that's, that this was going to be a success? Well, no, I don't think it's ever obvious that something's going to be a success or not. I've been a part of things that I, I did this show called Monday mornings that we just ran for one season on TNT. And that was one of my favorite casts. I got so spoiled and we all worked together beautifully. We had a great time. We really felt like we had a great show on our hands and I couldn't tell you why it didn't go. I know that, you know, part of it had to do with like the, there was a lot of turnover at the network and maybe it didn't get marketed great. You know, there's so many different things that go into it. And I think any show, even if it itself is brilliant, so much of it depends on the environment into which it is released. You know, what right. other shows are on? What's going on in the world? What night is it premiering? What's it up against? There's so many things that could take it down that you right. would never anticipate. So it's a tremendous, I, I, and, and I, <laughs> my husband gets mad at me sometimes because um, I'm a very cautiously optimistic person when it comes to my work. Like I won't celebrate until like the thing has been on screen and people have seen it and they've <laughs> told me they've seen it. I don't really get excited until like it is a done, 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 done deal. And he's always wanting to celebrate sooner. <laughs> um, 
So it it's it's such a gift that the show has done as well as it has. Cause even though I knew it was good, there's no way I could have anticipated that it would catch on the way it did. Right. So you've also done a lot of uh, voice work uh, people will be familiar with. You've done Lisa in Castlevania and Emily mm-hmm. in The Last of Us too. Yeah. So is there a big difference in the process of recording for a video game and a television show? Yes, because I did motion capture work for the video game as well. Okay. So I put on one of those funny little suits that has the like ping pong balls stuck to it. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> yes. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you look like an idiot, you feel like an idiot. And that I think, you know, honestly doing motion capture work is kind of like the purest form of having to go back to your six-year-old imagination Mm -hmm. because you really have nothing. You're just in this big, empty, like warehouse space. If there's a set piece, it's usually just made out of like iron bars or something like everything has to be so minimal. You're not allowed to have it because they have to be able to animate it in. So you're really like your imagination has to work overtime, um, but it's a lot of fun. And then it's, it's so thrilling to see what it looks like once these amazing animators get their, their, uh, their hands on it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty different from when I did Castlevania. Most of the time, most of my episodes, I wasn't even getting to work with the other actors at the same time. I was kind of recording my stuff all on my own in a booth Um the most recent episode that I did, I was, I got to be on the phone with my scene partner and that was like big bonus. So I actually got to hear him. Now, would you prefer that if you could maybe be in the same room with the others? Cause I know the old style of voice acting from say the eighties, they would all just basically be in the same room oh, yelling yeah, at each other and playing off each other. I don't like being by myself. Right. <laughs> Right. Half the reason I, I want to be an actor is because I want to like I, I've never had a desire to do a one person show because why? <laughs> why would I when I dry up and I don't have inspiration, I want to be able to look at the other people that are on stage with me or, you know, on right. set with me and just be able to react to them. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you got one person to blame. Exactly. That's <laughs> too much pressure. I don't need that. No pressure. So I wanted to ask you about your stage show, Jack and Swallow. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, man, it's are, so much fun. You two are potentially developing a series. <sighs> yeah, I need I need to go play this interview for Jack after it's done <laughs> and remind her of that because she has two beautiful children who are a huge handful. And so we haven't really gotten to work on it much lately. But that was the plan. We were working on a series for it. And I keep wanting to resurrect it with her. I feel like it'll happen at the right time. So what does the show stage stage show usually consist of? Are you guys doing like a stand-up act? Is it singing? It's kind of, um, you know, the way that it came about was really just that we met and we knew we were destined to perform together. Like we just have, we just have this fun, weird chemistry. Right. And um, we met when we were both doing a workshop of a musical and we had a third friend who knew us both from different places and he was watching us together and he was like, you guys need to perform together. And we had never thought about that. We just knew like we had a great time making each other laugh. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. We love to make each other laugh. And, and it seems that when we make each other laugh, we make an audience laugh. So 
So it tends to be sort of kind of, you know, there's there's a lot of it that's kind of like stand up. There's a lot of stories that we tell, usually embarrassing stories about our lives. Um, and then we sing. Um, we sing mostly like covers of stuff, but there there have been some things that we've written together and and uh, man, oh man, talking about it makes me miss it. And I'm as soon as we finish, I'm going to harass her. and I'm going to be like, I don't you care should. about your children. You should forget the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on get the it. show. I mean, come on. They're they're like three and five now. They can take care of themselves. Exactly. Once yeah. you get past two, you're on your own. Totally. <laughs> you practically drive. So today, what would you say is the best piece of acting advice that you've received personally? Um, be on time and know your lines. Be on time is universal for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Hanks says, says that be on time and know your lines. And then I think be nice to people. Yeah. And those are three very simple things, but yeah. I think a lot of people skip those steps, especially the nice one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look, I, I feel like when people are unkind on a set, it usually is because they're nervous, they're insecure. Like it usually comes from a place of fear. And I get that. But still, there's no there's no reason for that, because I, I have been really fortunate to work with some people who I consider like, you know, bucket list actors and the people who are the best actors are also kind of the best human beings. They are kind they know everyone's names. Um, they're humble they're, and they're interested in other people. I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and that's one of the best ways, I think, to get rid of nervousness or insecurity is to just get interested in the people around you. And, and then, then you, it's easy to be nice. So, yeah, there's no it's, it wastes time to be a jerk. And if you really want to keep a job, you probably don't want to be a jerk if you want to work in an industry for long enough, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Word gets around. Yeah. <laughs> People in this industry know how to gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Can imagine. So genre aside, what are your personal favorite films? Um, definitely The Princess Bride. Um, oh, no, I, I, I always go blank on questions like this. Um, sentimentally uh aladdin Ooh. not the live action one yeah not that one but pretty much just because of when that movie came out in my life i think that was one of the ones it made me want to i mean it made me want to do voiceover i was like i want to be a voice in a disney mm -hmm. movie one day um i didn't know that i would get to be in a technically a disney series one close day. enough i'd say you yeah made. exactly <laughs> my voice is there my body is too but you know i'm a voice um Aladdin, um, I'm going blank here. And I feel like those are like only skim the surface answers. That's fine. But I'll stand by them. So when you're watching Aladdin or the Princess Bride, what are you snacking on? What are your favorite movie snacks? What am I snacking? Well, always popcorn. See, I don't like popcorn and I always get the crazy look whenever I tell people, you know, I'm a I love That's movies. Okay. Not a What's popcorn. your snack? See, I'm more of a buffet kind of guy, you know. I would like maybe some pizza. You say a buffet? Yeah, give me a pizza. Give me some m and Skittles. Right I'll just take them all. <laughs> nice. So I'm not going to keep you all evening, Emily. Uh, I just thought of another movie. What is it? That is like so, and I'm. it's hilarious that I thought of it because it's so different. Um, did you see the movie Away From Her? I'm not familiar. Oh, it's so depressing. 
Oh. It's uh, it's about a it, Julie Christie is in it, and I don't remember the the gentleman who's in it now. But it's basically about a man whose wife uh, has Alzheimer's, and he is watching her go away. But it's beautiful. So it sounds, but you know, just I so have that to you don't think that all my favorite movies are like happy. Let me let me put one that's super depressing. Yeah, you there. need to cry sometimes. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not going to keep you all night, but what do you have on the horizon? Anything coming down the pipeline soon? Um, I am excited to get back to L.A. because I am going to be working on an album um, with somebody who you mentioned earlier with Rob Benedict. Really? Um, Yeah. See, he didn't tell me that. Now I'm mad at him. Well, he might not have known. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) It's a pretty recent development. Okay. All right. Um, but I'm putting out, it's probably just going to be covers this first like mini album. And then um, I want to raise some money so that I can do something proper and, and write some stuff. But uh, we were hoping to get it done before the end of last year. And then with all of the, you know, LA got locked down again. And then I wasn't in LA, you know, that helps if you're in the same city. So I'm very excited about that. Um, work-wise, there's not much that I can say anything about. <laughs> well, it must be um, Disney. What? It must be Disney. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, it's been lovely talking to you. I don't have anything else for you. And if whenever you and Rob get that uh, album sorted out, I'm sure I'll be bothering you both again. Yeah, please do. All right. Focus. Well, you have a great night. It's been a great Thank you. time you talking too. to you. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>